Well, hello, friends, and happy Thanksgiving to you. I am so glad to be with you as we worship together and wrap up our series, Uncharted. Before I jump into today's message, give you a couple updates. I hope you've been paying attention to the Sanctuary Refresh Project, which continues. We've got the pews out, the carpet's coming in soon. Soon new chairs will arrive. Remember, we still need some partners to jump on board and contribute to that project. Uh, you can do that through the church's website where you can learn more about the project and find a link where you can give. Maybe you wanna buy a chair for every member of your family or you wanna pay for a few square feet of paint. If you wanna help out in that project and make a long-term impact on our ministry, I hope that you'll consider doing that. I also hope you heard the announcement uh, of our Christmas, FCC Christmas Park plan coming up for Christmas Eve. Look online and on our social media platforms for all the details because you want to know what we're doing for Christmas Eve. It's going to be fantastic. Lastly, I just want to urge you to join me in prayer. Uh, we're in a season right now where COVID is deeply affecting our broader community, but also deeply affecting the FCC community. A lot of the people we love are sick and quarantined right now, and many of them are in the hospital. So let's make sure we as a community do what we know to do. Go to God in prayer, but also let's make sure we're living disciplined lives right now, doing these basic things. We know the drill, right? Self-screening, if you're sick, stay home. Wash your hands, wear a mask, and stay six feet away from everybody you meet. So and that's the way we can make sure we don't contribute to the spread of this virus. All right, let's continue our journey into the uncharted. The principle on which this series is built is that life is often uncharted. And in these uncharted places is where God does some of God's best work. Some of God's best work in your life and mine comes when we let God lead us into uncharted places. We're seeing throughout God's word that frequently the decision to trust God comes before the way is made clear or the destination is known. And today we again are going to head deeply into uncharted territory. I actually want us to consider today uh, some of the forgotten witness of Scripture. Uh, today, we're actually going to go learn from Scripture some stuff that some of you may have never heard before or never known, or if you ever did know, you may have profoundly forgotten. We're talking today about uncharted relationships. And I think a lot of us are going to be encountering some stuff that you may have never heard before, which can be weird. And so I'll try and explain it clearly, but this is, this is really something that God's word bears witness to that we wanna make sure we get. To get us started, let me share my favorite wedding verse. It's from the book of Ruth. Uh, Naomi has lost her husband and her two adult sons. And she begs her daughters-in-law to go back to their home country where maybe they can rebuild some sort of a life. And one of them does, thinking that's pretty good advice. But the other, Ruth, refuses to leave Naomi and instead makes this promise in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. It's one of my favorite wedding texts. She says, don't ask me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. 
Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. I love this promise Ruth makes. I love the poetry and the rhythm of the promise. I love the permanence of the promise. I love the sacrifice she's making, risking a life with her own people to stay with Naomi. You can see why I love to read this text and preach from this text at a wedding. It's a great description of the kind of promise making and promise keeping that is the foundation of a great marriage. But curiously, it's not about a marriage. It's about Ruth's relationship with her mother-in-law. Her husband has died and she's been encouraged to go back to her own people, but instead she makes a promise to stay. It's a from this day forward kind of promise, isn't it? It's a for better or worse kind of promise. It actually sounds like a marriage promise, but it isn't. Unless we forget, the marriage promises are a pretty big deal. I, I love the traditional promises. We call them vows. I, Fred, take you, Wilma, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. As God is my witness, I give you my promise. I love those promises. And do you notice how even in the promise, we have the reminder that this is an uncharted relationship? There's no map. We might get richer, we might get poorer. We might get sick, we might stay healthy. It's an uncharted relationship because we don't know where it's going. And it's precisely the promises that set marriage apart from most other relationships. Most relationships have a map. Coworkers, teammates, as long as you work together, you're coworkers. When you don't, you're done. As long as you play together, you're teammates. When you don't, it's over. But not marriage. Marriage is a covenant relationship, a, a relationship built on a promise. And these promises made and kept bind that relationship even when you don't know where the journey will lead or how long it will take to get there. Christian wedding vows are the beginning of an uncharted journey, a declaration of trust in God, even though we, though we don't know where it will go or how long it will take to get there. But, and here is the part I think most of us, maybe many of us have forgotten. Marriage is not and should not be the only kind of covenant relationship in the Christian life. There are other kinds of covenant relationships, relationships built on promise that can handle the unchartedness of life. There are other kinds of this kind of relationship that are affirmed in scripture. And we need to recover this forgotten truth. We already saw Ruth and Naomi, right? That's not a marriage relationship. Yet those promises that found that relationship are from this day forward sort of promises, for better or worse sort of promises. Uh, you can look at the early church. 
the early church made promises to one another. Acts 42 says this, uh, Acts 2.42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possession and gave to anyone who has need. Two chapters later, we still, this, this is still the lifestyle of the church. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. They did not claim their possessions as their own, but they shared what they had. It says that when one person was in need, another person might sell a piece of property and bring the money to the church to share. Do you see the kind of promise they made? It was a, it was a for richer, for poorer sort of promise, wasn't it? That we're going to live together and stay in relationship for richer, for poorer, and we'll take care of one another. I, I, I think about the four friends that Jesus describes who brought their friend on a stretcher and dug through the roof so they could get past the crowds so that their friend might be healed by Jesus. They were keeping a promise to each other, a promise of friendship, a, an in sickness or in health kind of promise. Now, listen, sometimes our friends are just a sh collection of shared interests, aren't they, right? I I'm friends with them because ha well, I have the same history. We went to the same high school. I'm, I'm friends with them because we have the same hobbies. We're both into woodworking. I'm, I'm friends with them because we, we like the same movies. I'm friends with them because we play the same sports but they can be more. The Bible witnesses that friendships can be built on, on a covenant, covenant friendships where promises are made to each other and friendships stand together in good times and in bad. I wish I could tell the whole story of the covenant friendship of David and Jonathan, but the climax of their friendship is this. Jonathan was the son of King Saul who sought to kill the future King David. But Jonathan and David had made a covenant of friendship, a promise to love one another and look out for one another no matter what. So Jonathan risks his life and risks the anger of his father to protect David and reaffirm his friendship. You can read the whole thing in 1 Samuel chapter 18 through 20. But in chapter 20, we have kind of the, the critical moment. They have a secret meeting. And David tells Jonathan that he's just sure that Jonathan's father, Saul, is trying to kill him. And Jonathan promises he'll investigate the truth of that. Chapter 20, verse 12, he says, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will surely find out from my, sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed toward you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father, but show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live, so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness for my family, so that not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And verse 17, it says, and Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. Their friendship wasn't just casual. It was bound by promises. At the end of the chapter, 
Jonathan faithfully returns and warns David. Sure enough, his dad Saul was trying to kill David. And as they part ways, driven apart by the civil war that will engulf both their families, Jonathan says to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord is witness between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. And then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. This is a covenant friendship, not just a casual acquaintance, but a commitment to one another in really tough circumstances. Doesn't this sound a lot like the, the line in the wedding promise to love and to cherish, even when it means spying on your crazy dad and risking death in the middle of a civil war? And so many of these covenants, like the covenant of marriage, are permanent. They are till death do us part. I know in our present world, we kind of think of marriage as the only relationship like that. It's the only promised base relationship. But that's because we've forgotten the witness of Scripture, which actually bears witness to lots of kinds of promise-based, covenant-based relationships. I love the biblical example of Elijah and Elisha. This is a relationship between a student and the teacher where the student has made, his, made it clear he is not going to leave his teacher until death do his part. And when death is imminent for Elijah, I love this. Elijah knows it's coming. And so Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elijah just answers. Elisha rather just answers. As surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. So they go to Bethel. The company, the prophets of Bethel, come out to Elisha and say, do you know the Lord is going to take your master from you today? He's about to die, they're saying. Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah says to him again, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he says again, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The prophets of Jericho go to Elisha and say, do you not know the Lord is going to take your master from you today? And he says again, I know, be quiet. Then Elijah says again to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. He says again, as surely as the Lord lives and as long as you're alive, I will not leave you. Elijah just completes just completely invites him to say, listen, I'm going, go on your way. And Elisha keeps says, no, I've made a covenant with you and I'm going to keep the covenant till death do us part. And every single one of these covenants includes the element from the marriage covenant as God is my witness, I give you my promise. Maybe not those exact words, but that sentiment is in every single one of these covenants. I love the way Ruth puts it. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. Here's what we're learning. We are meant to live with all kinds of relationships. We're meant to have casual relationships, right? Teammates and roommates and classmates and coworkers and neighbors and acquaintances. That's awesome. And most of those relationships have a map. They're built on some common experience. And while the common experience lasts, so does the relationship. And when the common experience ends, the relationship ends. And for lots of our relationships, that's okay. But 
we are also meant to enjoy covenant relationships, relationships built on promises. And covenant relationships are by definition uncharted relationships because those promises stay good no matter what happens in the future. And we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But those promises stand even when circumstances change and experiences change. It's precisely because life is uncharted that we need covenant relationships that can handle our uncharted lives. Look at those Examples we just discussed. It was the promises made and kept that held Ruth and Naomi together, both when they were starving and when they were feasting. It was promises made and kept that held the friendship of David and Jonathan together in the middle of a civil war that broke out between their families. It was promises made and kept that held Elisha by the side of his teacher, even as the end of his life approached. And it was promises made and kept that held the early church together in the midst of persecution and struggle in those early years. These covenant relationships create stability and depth to our lives that other relationships can't match. And unfortunately, because these biblical examples have been forgotten or misunderstood, we often think that marriage is the only covenant relationship upheld by Scripture. And listen, I love marriage, and it is a unique kind of covenant relationship designed to bear children and raise them up. It is, it is not the, exactly the same as these other covenant relationships, but when our understanding of covenant relationship is limited to marriage, we do great damage to the body of Christ and to those in the church. We imply sometimes that maybe because someone isn't married, they'll never know real commitment or long-term stable friendship. But the Bible shows that just isn't true. That, that covenant friendships, like the examples we saw in Scripture, prove that real commitment can happen between a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law, between two friends, between a teacher and a student, between a, a group of friends who dig through a roof, between the early church. If we imply that everybody should get married so that they can experience covenant relationship and real godly commitment, well, we're rejecting what both Jesus and Paul teach in the Bible. You can go read about that in Matthew 19 and 1 Corinthians 7, where they clearly say that some should marry and experience that covenant relationship, but some shouldn't. Instead, the uncharted path here is to recover what the Bible actually teaches, that all of us can and should experience the blessing of relationships that are built on promises. So for those who are married or for who will be married, we as a church pledge to help you keep your promises. Your marriage depends on the keeping of that covenant. Circumstances are never enough to sustain a marriage because they will change. Marriage is an uncharted path and everyone who makes the promises of marriage is making a decision to trust God even before the way is made clear and even before the destination is known. Marriage is entering the uncharted way 
of obedience and trust in God. But for the many who will not marry or are not married or you've been married and now you're single for one reason or another, do not avoid covenant relationships. These kinds of covenant relationships are the ones that can handle the uncharted path of our lives. Uh, church membership is a covenant relationship. And I hope that, that everybody who is a follower of Christ will commit to a local church and join it. Because when we join a church together, we are pledging to care for one another and love one another for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. That's exactly the covenant we make together as a church. And listen, I know we're not perfect at it, but I am really proud of how well this church does at keeping those promises to one another. Church membership is not joining a club. It is a mutual covenantal commitment to love and care and support and grieve together. Even when we disagree about few things, even when circumstances makes it hard, we stick out because our relationship is a covenant relationship. And I, I think every Christian needs to at the very least be a part of that kind of covenant relationship, membered in a local church where we can love and care and support one another. But I would also remind you, friendship can be a covenant relationship. Not, not every friendship, some friendships are casual, but think of David and Jonathan or Elijah and Elisha. Think of the friends who dug through the roof to get to Jesus. These are examples of covenant friendships where commitments have been made. And maybe some of you are in friendships where commitments are implied, but you need to just say it. Just say, I just say, hey, by the way, I want you to know, no matter what happens, I'm here for you. If we move away or whatever goes, we get different jobs, we live in different states, I'll show up when you need me. If I haven't told you that, I want you to know that that's a promise from me as God is my witness, till death do us part. Some of our friendships need that kind of covenant commitment. Those are the ones that can handle the uncharted path. Even family can be built on a covenant relationship. Listen, blood families are great when they're great. When you've got aunts and uncles and cousins and siblings and you love them and they love you, it's awesome. Blood families can be a huge blessing. But not everybody has that. But everyone can have covenant families. I love the example of our former interim minister, Leroy Lawson, who talks about his Velcro children and grandchildren. These are people who have entered his life sort of by happenstance, you know, the way friends do. But they have stayed in his life on purpose because that's how covenants work. Betsy and I have some covenant friendships like that where we've just declared you're part of our family and we're part of their family and you've always got a place to sleep under our roof and a place to eat at our table. We're, we're, we're bound together by promises made and kept and some we see often, and some we don't see that often, but the promises are there and the relationship is ready to handle the uncharted path of life. My guess is you have some relationships like that too. Don't discount those. If they're unspoken, put some words behind it, like Ruth and David and Elisha and the early church did. Make the covenant plain. 
There is so much more to say about this biblical concept of covenant relationships, into which obviously marriage sits as our kind of most common example, but all these other relationships matter and are worthy and are worth it. And everyone is invited into this sort of covenant relationship. And listen, I've just scratched the surface, but I'll end right here. Life is uncharted. And when we follow God, we go to uncharted places, places that are off the map, where we will have to decide to trust God even when the way is not made clear and the destination is not known. And if we want people to go with us, we're going to need more than common circumstance and shared experience. We're going to need covenant promises made and kept. And if you find that in marriage, that's great. I've found it in marriage, and the marriage covenant matters. But the Bible teaches that we are also meant to find it in the church. Membership matters, and our covenant together matters. We're meant to find it in friendship. Covenanted Christian friendship matters, and we see it all over the pages of Scripture. We're meant to find it in families that extend beyond blood to those that we have intentionally included in our lives, and they know we can count on them and they can count on us. And if you're part of this church, the Bible teaches that we are a covenant people. This is the promises we make to each other. I, sister, take you, brother. I, brother, take you, sister. In the name of Christ, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do our part, do us part. As God is our witness, we promise to maintain the church for each other, to be membered to one another as the body of Christ. And when we keep that covenant to each other, we are building a community that is ready to walk together the uncharted path of following God. Even when the way is not clear, even when the destination is not known, we still follow God and we keep our covenant to one another to be God's people. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you have not left us. You are with us in your spirit and you have invited us into relationship with one another into covenant relationship that leaves no one out as the body of Christ, as friends and family covenanted together. God, I pray that you would just be a blessing on all the covenant relationships that are represented by your people, on the marriages and friendships and families, on the churches, that you would teach us to keep our promises and strengthen these relationships so that we are ready for the uncharted path before us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.